Episode 64, Utilizing AI to Keep Track of Clients and More, my conversation with Indiana Trust and Estates Attorney, Tracy Troyer. Tracy is an accomplished attorney with three decades of experience practicing law. As the owner of her law firm, she partners with one other attorney to provide personalized legal services, specializing in estate planning, trust administration, and asset protection for family legacies. Tracy works closely with individuals and families to ensure their long-term financial security. Join Tracy and I as we talk about how she uses her own innovative AI programs to help her keep track of her clients and more. Enjoy. Have you been enjoying the TechSavvyLawyer.page podcast? Consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast feeds. Tracy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for I having me. I appreciate you being here. And to get things started, please tell us, what is your current tech setup? Well, I am in a small law firm in Indiana, and we currently use Windows. Is that really forever? We're becoming more tech savvy in my law firm as we're adding automations and practice management system, but we do use Windows and we have Microsoft product, the Office Suite with Word and Outlook and those things. 365, I take it? Yes. Okay. So you're on the cloud and you got all the various Microsoft products, like you said. Please, what about, what is your main computer? My main computer is the Dell. I'm not sure if I can tell you much more than that because I'm... (laughs) have had a transition from paper and calculators and typewriters to where we are today. So I'm still learning all the time. So I got to ask, do you do your own typing? Do you have a secretary um, and assistant? We have, I have an assistant and a paralegal. Uh-huh. They, I do my own documents to a certain extent. There's some documents, obviously our paralegal prepares like my own emails and that. Yes, I do type. <laughs> No, yeah, di- yeah. no dictation here. <laughs> you, wait, there are some attorneys who are still, if you will, old school. And as I've said many times on this podcast, one of the best skills I ever learned in high school was h- how to type. Sure. So, oh, yeah, because there's just so much more I can do because of that. So is it a laptop or a desktop? A desktop, but right now I'm on a laptop with you. Is the laptop a Dell as well? I honestly have to look. Yes, <laughs> It's also a Dell. We started, I don't know that we even really had use for a laptop until COVID, unfortunately, but that brought us into the world of video meetings, video conferences, Zoom. So we're able to do Zoom conferences in a conference room. Sometimes we do sort of a hybrid where somebody's in the office, somebody's on Zoom. So the laptops are getting used a lot more than they used to. So are you finding... Now that we're sort of post-COVID, are you finding the use of laptops and conferencing software and hardware, are you finding them to be more productive or less productive or just something different? We've really come around to embracing it in our office. Before that, we pretty much insisted on a face-to-face in the same room meeting right. um, for every meeting. But now we actually give our clients the option to choose a video conference when they're scheduling on our online scheduling. So I think people like that option too. Are you enjoying it? Are you enjoying maybe not having to rush down to the office every day or at every hour? 
I enjoy it to a certain extent. There, there's something different about being in the same room with someone. You do pick up on body language and especially working with, say, a married couple to do estate planning. You can Mm -hmm. see a lot of body language between two people. So it's a little bit two dimensional, but it's useful. So for your desktop, do you have one monitor, multi monitors? Oh, that's a great question. I recently got convinced to go to two monitors. Excellent. So I already had a very wide, I had a widescreen monitor for years and I thought I was doing fine, but I was informed I would be doing much better if I got a second monitor, which I did. And of course it's a game changer. So I really appreciate that. Well, well then I got to up your game a little bit and try to convince you to get three monitors. Oh, okay. I have a three monitor setup. No, so I got my main monitor. It's a 32 inch Apple XDR. And then to my left and right, I have two 4K LG monitors. So Mm. like the main work I may be doing is in front of me. I may be looking at a resource to my right. For Mm. example, maybe I'm typing a document and then on my right, I have like Lexus up. And then maybe on my left, I'm keeping an eye on my email or something Mm. else, if that makes any sense. I love it. But again, to each their own, you got to be happy with it. What's uh, compartmentalizing what your mind is on. That's smart. I like that. Now, some people, for instance, like your wide monitor, some people just love the wide monitor setup. And this way they don't have to lift their eyes from one monitor to another and they can kind of keep everything consistently. May I ask, do you know who makes your monitor? I think I have two. One is a Dell monitor Mm -hmm. and the other one might be an LG. I know it's not a Dell. It's a different one. I'm actually trying to look at it, but (laughs) it's an LG. I, yeah. Is the Dell the widescreen? They're both widescreens. Oh, okay. Okay. But I found, like you mentioned, now that I have the second screen, I can be more organized with what's yes. up. So on yes. the on what I consider the second screen, I put things that I'm not really focused on, but I might want to check. Right. So I and, do like that. And given that you have a widescreen monitor for both monitors, you may not necessarily need three screens like I do as they wrap around. Are you able to compartmentalize each widescreen monitor? So for some one, you could have like maybe two different things sort of a left yes, and a right. I could, yes, I definitely, I can have two really full screens per monitor. Mm-hmm. I could make that smaller also if I want to do four, I could, but cool. I try not to. And what about anything special about your keyboard? Anything special about your mouse? No, nothing special about those, but I did have a, a tablet I wanted to show you that Please. is, I've been using this for about a year and a half to two years and mm-hmm. it's a tablet and it's called Remarkable. Yeah. Have you heard of this? Yes, I've heard a lot of good things about it. Remarkable. Uh, is it Remarkable 1 or Remarkable 2? I have Remarkable 1. Okay. So this is it. And what's so great about it is you can, I mean, I, I guess you could call this a stylus, but it only, yep. and it's all, I don't know what the actual substance is, but it wears down almost like a lead pencil. Okay. And then you replace it once it wears down, but you can just write. Yeah. And then for me, what's great is I use this for client meetings. So I take my notes on the remarkable. And then when I'm done, I can totally clean them up because I can cut and paste. I can copy. I can erase things, which is really nice. So my handwriting is the best. So my staff very much appreciates me doing this. And then when the notes are in the form that I want them to be, I just, I from here, email a PDF to my assistant and she just take, takes the next steps with it. So it's cool. really handy. Yeah. 
so when so, you take when you uh, capture notes like that, are you able to only send it by PDF or can you send it in other formats like perhaps a JPEG or a Word? There are some other formats, but not Word. But I always use the PDF, but I can email it. So nice. do you have a tablet, not a writing tablet, like a remarkable, but like some sort of either Android or Windows or OS, I'm sorry, iOS? I do not. I just have the desktop, laptop, and the remarkable. And what do you use for a smartphone? I have an iPhone. Okay. As my, for my smartphone. And so how do you like the dynamic between having an iPhone versus having a Windows desktop? Honestly, whenever I try to use an Android phone, I just, it, I don't get it. <laughs> I've always had an iPhone, so I'm just used to it. And yet you're not interested in moving over to well, like a Mac OS for desktop no. or laptop? No. It, I'm you, Windows. It, fair enough. I wasn't trying to convince you, just trying to trying to have, yeah. have, a, have, a, have a friendly discussion. Yeah, um, absolutely. I just, yeah. My mind has all is focused on that way of doing things, I suppose. Is there any of the technology that you use to help your practice? Do you have a scanner? Do you have, do you still use a printer? We do still use a printer because we do estate planning. So we are okay. printing wills and trusts and powers of attorney for people to physically sign. And then we, from there, what we do is scan the documents into our system. And then the clients take the originals with them. And what do you use for a scanner? Our printers scan. So okay. I'm not sure what kind of printers we have. So if that's your next question, I'm not it's sure. Like a, it's like an all-in-one, like a Canon or an HP or there's several other makers it's out there. Probably an HP. But yeah, we, there's just a feed. We can feed a stack of papers into it and scan it. Are you familiar with Inkjet Superstore? I'm not. Is that so inexpensive look, ink, I hope? <laughs> yes. It's typically recycled, you know, cartridges, but so for instance, I have an HP, hold on a second, what do I have? I have an HP, I have an HP Enterprise M507. And I've just been getting my cartridges from them for years from Inkjet Superstore. And they've always been reliable. I've in the past 16 plus years only had, I've only had one bad cartridge. Really? Wow. Yeah. And so it's what percent savings would you say compared to regular? It can be anywhere from three quarters saving, I'm sorry, from well, three quarters of the price to half the price. And depending on some manufacturers, it can even be like a quarter of the price. It just depends on the type of printer you have and the manufacturer and what they use. I've always gotten a really good deal out of that. And my question I wanted to ask you was, so yes, you have to print off documents for your business still, I get it. But since COVID, have you noticed if your printing overall has decreased? I would say not because we have for many years emailed drafts of documents to clients. Mm -hmm. Every now and then we do work with a lot of elderly people. Most of them are fine with email, but every now and then they someone will say, please mail it to me. But we've done that even before COVID. I mean, it's just been amazing for me because I remember back in, in law school, even college, like for the year, I'd order from Staples like a, a box of paper, 20, 20 reams of paper, and that mm -hmm. would usually last me through the year. And I would buy a box of paper from Staples for the practice, and that would almost last me the year. But now it's like, I can't remember the last time I bought paper. Wow. I mean, I still print occasionally, but not frequently because mm -hmm. like my engagement mm -hmm. letters are online. I try to handle all of the paperwork digitally. 
And mm -hmm. when a client and I finish, I typically burn a copy of my electronic file for them to disk and send that to them instead of the paperwork that I never printed off. That's if that makes nice. any sense. Yeah, that but, is very nice. Well, we have in the past probably four or five years, maybe it's been five years, the state of Indiana has gone to e-filing. Okay. So we used to have to print documents to file with the court to open yep. in the state, for yep. example. And now we email, e-file, even the wills. So it's that's a lot less paper for in that part of our practice, for sure. And the best part is you can do the midnight filings in most jurisdictions, <laughs> yes. which... I still remember running down the courthouse late at the late in the evening because I have to travel into DC with 15 copies and make sure I get them all stamped and keep one for me. Yes, but yes. thankfully those days are over. Of course, we still have midnight filings, but that's a story for another day. Well, let's get into the questions. Question one, what are your three favorite automation? One automation that we are getting a lot of use from, and we're going to definitely be expanding on it, is our client intake form. We've done quite a bit of work on that so that as much information as possible goes into our client intake form, which is online. And then once we receive the, the file that gets submitted, then we can, that will automatically populate documents for clients. So when the client fills out our, well, when they make an appointment, then we email them a link to the mm -hmm. intake form. And we have practice area specific intake forms. So we'll have we have one for estate planning. We have one for elder law. We have one for estate administration. So they ask some of the basic contact information, of course, but then also it gets into a little more specific for the situation that they're going to come talk to us about. So they get that ahead of the first meeting. It's an online form. They just click on the link, fill it out, submit it. And when as soon as they submit it, that populates some other automatically populates some things. Do you know what programs you're using for that? I'm using Gavel, which okay. was formerly yep. DocuMate. Yep. Uh, I that I'm a I am a big fan of Gavel. That's it's what we use for document automation. It's good. <laughs> so Dorna Moni was a prior podcast guest, and she was uh -huh. great. And I talk to her yes. every now and then, and she's fantastic. And the company she's she created is. is fantastic. So yes. you capture the information in Gavel. Are using like Zapier or some other program to connect it to however you're creating your forms? And could you talk a little bit about that, please? Absolutely. So Gavel does integrate with Zapier. I learned that our practice management system does not, but I'll, that's a side topic. But Gavel integrates. So if, as soon as a workflow is completed in Zapier, you just tell it which workflow you're looking for as soon as that's completed then it pulls all the data into the zap and then you can have it populate you know whatever kind of documents you want to populate next so we can within zapier we can select paths for the zap mm -hmm, right. so if we get a client intake form that's specifically for estate planning then it'll go down the path of generating those documents and you know all our other respective practice areas so May I ask, what is your CRM, your Client Relations Management Program? Yes, it's Smokeball. And I have a lot of really good things to say about, but then there are a couple of limitations that I've learned about just as we've gone along, which you don't really know up front. <laughs> Pardon the interruption. I hope you're enjoying the techsavvyleader.page podcast as much as I enjoy making them. Consider buying us a cup of coffee or two to help defray some of the production costs. Thanks and enjoy. Now, I think you and I talked about off mic 
when we spoke last week about how at the ABA tech show, there was the tech startup alley. And I think the winner, if I remember correctly, the winner was this program creator who created a program that basically allows you to take your data from one CRM to another. So for instance, to go from Smokeball to Clio, from Clio to Rocket Matter, from Rocket Matter, whatever, so that if you don't have all the tools that you may want from one, you can always go to another. That's not to poo Smokeball or anyone else, but quite frankly, every person, every lawyer has their own way of doing things and some fits may be better than the others. So mm-hmm. while- well, that would have been extremely useful two years ago for us when we started Smokeball. All right. Because what we had to do is pull one file at a time into Ew. the- platform. Yes, it was right. <laughs> so it's still ongoing. I mean, we, I, I, the files that I own go back 30 years. Oh, wow. So we have a lot. So we didn't pull it all in, but we just pulled the more recent files in. And then as we, if we have a client come back, that is a closed file, then we'll pull mm-hmm. them in at that time. But we couldn't do a mass import with our client uh, files. Yeah. I'm so sorry. May I ask, who did you come from? We didn't have, well, we did not have a practice management system before this. We just used QuickBooks and Microsoft platforms, and we just hobbled things together. So I do love the idea of integrating it all in one place. I mean, that's really useful. So, all right, that's one. Two more. We start with Gavel. Sure. Well, you asked me about Smokeball too. Does that... <laughs> well, that was an aside, yeah, aside from Gavel. Aside, aside, right, sure. Okay, that is fine. So another automation that I really like, this is also one I created with Gavel, is for payroll. So I'm a small firm. You're looking at the IT department. You're looking at HR. You're looking, you know, all the things. Right, right. So one of my responsibilities is to get our payroll information to the CPA, who then does the official part of it. So for our hourly employees, there's some things that vary from month to month. Right. And so that has to time sheets and things like that. So I have automated that process. I started with Gavel and I created a questionnaire workflow where each of my employees can enter their own information and then they can upload their timesheet to the workflow. So that all comes directly to me. Yeah. And from there, I have it going and running through Zapier. And then what it does through Zapier is it auto-populates, adds rows to an Excel spreadsheet. And the Excel spreadsheet is what my CPA wants. Gotcha. So I'm creating this Excel spreadsheet in the form, in the format that my CPA wants to have it. So I just, that has reduced, that's cut out, cut the time I have to spend on payroll by probably 75%. Cool. I can picture the workflow going through my head as you're talking about it. And that would save a lot of time. I need to do something similar like that with my payroll because I I have mostly hourly employees who are working with me because I hire my law clerks through the law schools nearby. And that work has worked out fantastic for over 10 years. So I'd all right, be that's- happy to share that with you. It's just something I created for us to use, but I'm happy to share that with you. I don't know if it's given the way. How, yeah, I don't have my accountants send out the checks, if you will. I'm the one that actually mm-hmm. does it. So if mm-hmm. I could figure out how to incorporate it, I mean, I understand what you're talking about, and like I like the general idea. 
and I appreciate your offer. Unfortunately, for what you're doing and how I'm doing it, it wouldn't fit my needs. You could um, probably use a zap to pull information into QuickBooks if you use QuickBooks for that. I don't use QuickBooks, but I wonder if I could set up QuickBooks to, to start doing what I'm doing. Because QuickBooks um, does have a payroll feature. We don't use it because I like to have my CPA do that, but you can do all of that in within QuickBooks. Well, since I'm doing a 1099R, I just do a Zelle transfer for each hourly employee. They give me their mm -hmm. hours. I do the calculus of how much I own for the week, pop it in. I actually use a snippet, a text expander snippet to tell me what week it is. So if I type in dot week, it will say July, leave a blank for the, the actual day since payday technically ends every Thursday. And then of course the year and out pops the rest. So mine's a little bit more pen and paper, I guess, as they'd like to call it. In the sense That's that what I, I would just, call my previous system was yeah. definitely pen and paper. But that's something I should probably look into just to make my life a little bit easier so I could just pop in the numbers and then put that out. But I still need a third from you on this question. A third is a script that I actually hired someone to create this for me. Okay. And what it does is takes our entire client list and compares that list to all of the obituaries that have been published that day in okay. the United okay. States. So it compares those lists, and if there are any matches, then it creates a report with the matches. So that is saving an enormous amount of time because our system before that was to have someone look at a physical newspaper right. for our 300,000 population. So we didn't pick up retirees or people who moved just for other reasons. We're finally getting our will file down, meaning wills that we actually have possession of, but if you don't know if someone's passed away, if they moved, they passed away, you, know, right, right. you have to hang on to that well just right. because you don't know. So it's been really helpful in that respect. But then also when we find that a client has passed away, we reach out to the family just to make sure they know that the person did a will or did a trust because sometimes they don't know. <laughs> they weren't told <laughs> by the person who died. <laughs> well, Tracy, tell us, doesn't this sort of lead into one of the projects that you're working on right now? Tell us about that project. Yes, it does. This is a new project that I'm working on and the business is called Executor Connect. And basically it's offering that client list obituary search to other attorneys in the country so that they can do that same kind of really efficient search of their entire client. Because when, you know, however many years you're in practice or however many people practice with you, I mean, you're looking at thousands of people. So you really have to be able to search an entire list, which is what we're doing. We'll make sure that we have a copy of that for the, our show notes and we'll make sure we'll put that in there. Okay. So tell us, moving on to our second question, what are three automations a person could easily do on their own today? Well, one I think that is available to most law firms and maybe they're not utilizing it is within their calendar system. We use Acuity and the link to our calendar, we have that on our website. We can send it to people and then they can just, we're all pretty familiar with these online calendars. But we've been using it. It's great. In a, we have that integrated through our practice management system. So when there's an appointment scheduled, it goes directly onto our yeah. Outlook calendars and it all is just automatic. But the thing that we've started using more within Acuity is it does have automated emails that you can create that have really yeah. nothing to do with the appointment itself. So you can 
schedule a reminder to a client. We haven't heard from you recently. Do you have any changes you want to make to your state plan to kind of trigger people to start thinking about if they need to come back and update documents? So just something we're already using, but we can add that as a feature to make it more efficient to remind our clients to check their documents. So one thing, if I may ask, on the program you have, and mind you, I've used it technically still using acuity scheduling for my law practice scheduling. And the problem is the base program I've been using in order to get text reminders, you have to kind of up your price just a bit. Are you using that? We're not using the text reminders. We use the email reminders. So we haven't gone to the text yet. But I do see that pop up now and then. Do we want to? upgrade to that, but we just haven't. So, so I do like how I, I have liked how Acuity works, but then I was doing some price comparisons between Acuity and Calendly and Calendly mm -hmm. includes that the text reminders mm -hmm. in the base pr program, if you will, I'm calling it the base program and the program, at least that I'm using, mm -hmm. which is, I think either the, roughly the same amount or maybe just slightly cheaper wow. than Acuity. Okay. And so okay. I'm in the process of moving over to Calendly because of that. Mm -hmm. Now, when you are like when a new client makes an appointment through Acuity, are they, is that where they're putting in the information that gets moved over from Gavel to Zapier or is that no. something else? Okay. No, when they're in Acuity, they're simply selecting what kind of an appointment they want. Is it for this or that, the whichever practice area they want to see us about. And then just finding an appointment, selecting the appointment, mm -hmm. and then they put in their name and email address, but that's it. And so that first, the confirmation email that automatically goes mm -hmm. out after the appointment is set includes the link to the client intake questionnaire. And then we include gotcha. that again in the reminder email. So we gotcha. do it in the confirmation and also in the reminder. So people have been pretty, pretty good about doing it. They don't oh. have to, but it's been pretty high turnaround with that, I think. Well, I can only imagine that it just saves so much time on emails going back and forth about, hey, does this time work or does that time work? No, none of those work. How about these? Oh, no, those don't work for me. And just going mm -hmm. back and forth. Plus, if they need to cancel or reschedule, they can easily do it on the link from yes. their invites. Yes, yes. And I think we talked earlier about how attorneys are pretty slow to adopt technology, yeah. in yeah. my opinion, in general. So I know there are firms out there that just have the paper calendar yeah. phone call, <laughs> which is fine. Sometimes people want to talk to a person, which is a, that's an option for us too. But if you want to do something at night or on weekends, you don't have to worry about office hours if you're the client. So right. it's great. And the nice thing is that it's responded to at night or on the weekends so that you can do it yes. yourself. So it doesn't really yes. matter. But at the same yes. time, what I'm thinking about is also is that you get to block off the times that you're not available ahead of yes. time. So like, since I have sort of an international practice, I take calls typically between 2 p.m. Eastern and 8 p.m. Eastern. Mm -hmm. And for that window, that's the only time I do phone calls, depending on the type of call that it is. And then like for mm -hmm. Tuesdays and Thursdays, I only do, well, I shouldn't say I only do initial consults Oops. just to kind of keep that into certain buckets so that I'm not like scattered doing different types of calls and different types of things throughout the day. Cause that gets, as I'm sure, as I'm sure all the listeners know can get a little confusing and frustrating, especially when you're trying to spend like certain amount of time on writing or thinking yes. or researching, whatever the case may be. Yes. I finally, after many years learned that I need to schedule white space on my calendar yes. where I can yes. actually oh, yeah. 
focus on a task and I, I schedule that now. So it's been helpful to do that. Those are my mornings. <laughs> I, so, all right, that was one. So we need two more. Okay. So that I just want to mention, because I thought that was handy and most of us have that. The other one that I'm really excited about, and I just started using it. So I'm very beginner stage, but it's called Macro Scheduler. Macro Scheduler. Okay. Macro Scheduler. And the company is on MJT Net is the company that that makes it. The what Macro Scheduler does is it lets you create scripts for Windows programs. Okay. So any app that you have on your desktop, and it also works with websites, you can automate a script with these. So, for example, if you have in you have options for triggers. Let's say you put a new email as your trigger. So if you have a new email, then that's going to trigger you to get into another program and do something in the program, run through what a person would be doing, but you can have this macro scheduler do it for you. You can set it for run at certain times. You have different triggers. You can create the script yourself, or it also has a recording option where you can run the workflow yep. yourself and yep. it records this the keystrokes and things that you're doing. And I'm happy to learn of this one because you know I'm mostly a Mac person and I'm always looking for comparables to Windows. And this sounds like something that Mac programs like Hazel amongst trying to think of some others off the top of my head that basically do some of the automatic stuff for you in the background without you knowing it, once you've set it up and you just let it go and it's already done, you don't have to worry about it. For instance, like my files are automatically, like when I put a new PDF on it, if I tag it appropriately, the right type of client, the right type of area, the right type of document, it will automatically file that document into the client folder where it needs to go. Mm -hmm. That makes any sense. So that I have to go like searching through all the different folder boxes to find out exactly where that particular client file is with like the documents file or the correspondence file, et cetera. Does that make sense? Yes. Any Anything, I think anything that's repetitive, mm -hmm, you're doing that mm -hmm. same process mm -hmm. over and over, mm -hmm. that's a great candidate for a script because then it can be done by the, the app. So it's nice. And, you know, we talk about, and I know the next, the next short cut you're going to talk about in a moment, but we should talk about off cam is that you know it every little time you just save a second or two it does add up it's like throwing pennies into a jar and that even mm -hmm. though maybe just a few seconds or perhaps even a few minutes if it's saving you time it adds up that you can focus on other things whether it's more billable hour more mental health time for yourself or time for your family all the more times you can save all the better so right and it removes the possibility of human error also yes, which is yes good. <laughs> yes and once you get it set up it should be good to go unless you made a goof setting it up. That means you got to go back and fix it. And you know where all the mistakes landed because you're the one that, you know, made the mistake to begin with. <laughs> right. So for your third answer to the second question, I have an, a feeling I know what this one is because you and I talked about it off mic. Please. Yes. And you very graciously introduced me to this one and it's wonderful. And the, this is text expander. And I saw that comes up sometimes with you on other pods. Mm -hmm. So you definitely yeah. love it as much as Save I do. So much time. Yes, it's wonderful. So the thing I'm using it for right now, and I'm definitely going to investigate other ways I can use it because it's so, so handy. I'm using it to create unique file names. 
So when I'm saving save as, for example, in a certain platform I use, it always wants to save the file exactly the, the same name, autofills. And I don't want that because I don't want All it right. to overwrite an existing file, obviously. So I put the little blurb in the file name to automatically add the date and the time. So okay. year, month, day, and the hours, minutes, seconds. So it's yeah. always going to be a unique file name. Yep, yep. And, and I don't have to type that in. It's just the little whatever I use to to stand for that. So you call it a blurb. I think they call them snippets. Snippet. Okay. And how do you quote unquote trigger your snippet? Like, do you have a specific way of doing that? I've been using the letter Z. So I okay. just start, I start Z and maybe for this one, I have like maybe date. So the Z D-A-T yep. means yep. insert the time and the date. Similar to what I do. I I use a period because you don't start a sentence with a period. Right. So, so for instance, like something similar to what you do is I type N and what will happen is a little pop-up will appear and it will already have pre-programmed today's year, month, day, comma, a little space for me to type into. That's usually for the file name, comma, another space for the client's last name, comma, another space for the client's initial, the period will already be programmed in there. And then another space for the type of case it is, VA, medical board, et cetera. And then of course it will populate out the rest, whether it's a .doc, DC, DOCX, PDF, et cetera. So I do something similar, but also I also enhance that with like .fd where I can program, it'll program the year and the month, but not the date. Because the date might mm -hmm. be different. Because like I'm looking at a scan document from a couple of days ago. Same thing with FM for month, FY for year. And then there's, of course, so many other things you can do with it, as I know you're learning. And I think, you know, I know so many attorneys who love this and use it. And the best part is that it's operating system agnostic. It works both on Windows <laughs> and Mac. So mm -hmm. if you have someone in your office who's using a Mac, and you're using Windows, doesn't matter because the database will sync back and forth. And the nice thing is also is if you make a change in how the product is produced or what the product, I should say, that comes out, if it's a different way of formatting or if you want to add something new, your staff, your paralegals, your other law clerks and attorneys get the same form automatically. Yeah. And that's so great because it's uniform. Everything yes. is uniform throughout the whole office. And that's really important. Yes. Yes. Because the key is consistency. Yes. Excellent. So for our last question, as we've been getting out of COVID, what are three lessons learned about moving from pen and paper to more digital work life that you could share with us? Well, the big thing that COVID did for law and the practice of law and courts in my part of the country, for sure, is it introduced us to video conferencing and Zoom. And before that, I probably had FaceTimed. Oh, I know I had FaceTime on Facebook occasionally, but that was it. I didn't, I didn't right. use that in my practice at all. It was just for personal things. So Zoom has been a big change that came about because of COVID. And all in all, I think it's wonderful. We give our clients the option to choose a video conference instead of coming in now, which we didn't used to offer that. And for a lot of people, that's really convenient if they're not local or if they're having in the middle of a work day, they don't have to necessarily leave work. They can just schedule a Zoom conference and do that while they're at work. So I think it's made 
it more flexible for our clients and give it more options for what the ways we can interact with people. Okay, so that's one. So are you finding that to be, so before we go into two, are you finding that to be more of a time saver? I do think it saves time because depending on the situation, there's, I think it's a pro and a con and it saves time. Okay. The pro, of course, is that you have a little more time, but the con too is, I think that's because there isn't as much interaction typically with the client on Zoom that doesn't have to do with exactly what they've come to talk to you about. So I think for me personally, I'm more right straight to why are they talking to me versus getting to know them on just a personal level. So I could be better about that for sure. But I think that gets lost sometimes during video conferences. Well, it's interesting because I've been a solo for 16, 17 years now. And in the last, I'd say 12 to 15 years, most, if not all my potential client calls are done by phone because my clientele is international and I keep them pretty focused in 30 minutes, whether or not I think I can or can't help them. And then about whether or not they do or don't want to hire me. And Mm -hmm. I could see how with certain types of practice areas, especially wills and estates, that you need to have more of a personal relationship and not saying that I don't have a personal relationship with my clients. I can understand the challenges both ways, I guess. Yeah, so for example, yeah, of course. So, you know, for example, with a state administration, the client has typically lost a parent or a spouse right. or an adult child. And it, it, many times those conversations involve me standing up and grabbing the tissue box and bringing mm-hmm. it over to the conference table and keep talking. So that it's just a different feel, I think. Yeah, I think I understand that. And I guess it would be very difficult for you to have these initial consultations and perhaps even client communications by phone or even by Zoom without being there in person. Well, all right. So that's one, two. The other big change, and some of this is, it actually changed, but honestly, a lot of it is my mindset changed about things. It has a big part. No, we're not going to do video conference. Right, right. But another area where my mindset has changed quite a bit is remote work. Mm -hmm. It's happened in a lot of workplaces, but our law firm has never been about FaceTime in the office, but never did I have the perception that you could be really productive unless you were physically in the office working. All right. So that has changed. Our practice management system is Mm cloud-based. Connect to that from anywhere. I have the app on my phone. I can check things. So that's really handy. Really like. So, do you find having your office on an iPhone app or any smartphone app for that matter is that allowing you time away from the office? I have always been terrible about checking email. Ever since I can check email on my phone, I've probably done that. Yeah, but. Honestly, if I'm going to, let's say, take a longer vacation, if I don't keep up with email, when I come back, I really wish I had not even gone anywhere because I have so much email. So I'd rather just keep it semi-caught up. I don't mind. It doesn't take a lot of time. But yeah, going somewhere where there's no self-service might not be terrible. (laughs) my, My wife and I just came back from a trip to upstate New York and we were gone for about five days which includes the time on the road. And she and I have different ways of approaching this. Of course, she's working for the federal government. She can't really take her email with her, but she's going to spend part of the day today going through all the hundreds of emails she got. 
And I've gone through most of my emails while I was on the road because I would take some time in the morning and kind of go through things and triage or address and whatnot. But mm -hmm. I, when I came back to my main office computer, I sat down and I had over 150 emails to store. In other words, they've been dealt with. I flag them and I know I can just put them away onto the main computer. But I just can't imagine sitting down Tuesday morning as we're recording on Moral Day of all days, sitting down on Tuesday morning and having to go through 150 plus emails and then have some sanity to continue on with all the other things I need to get done for the day. I feel the same way. Yeah, it could be a blessing. It could be a curse. So, so for, for things that are not cloud-based, we also have AnyDesk is the okay, yeah. software that we use yeah. to remotely connect to our desktops from home. So we can do that as well. And how are you finding that program? I've used a program called Parallels, Parallels Access, that would allow me to access my main computer. But, you mm -hmm. know, because of internet and other things, it could be a little bit slow, like moving the mouse across whatever, across the desktop, so to speak. And how are you finding it today? We used to use a different program, which was like you're describing. It was just tedious because it was yep. so yep. slow and you didn't, mm. it was frustrating. But with any desk, I don't find that to be the case at all. Okay. The only thing I have to do is enlarge my screen a bit if I'm working remotely. But other right. than that, it's just like being at my desktop. So I have to ask, since you've been working more from home due to COVID, have you increased your bandwidth for your internet home provider? I have not. No. Okay. No. My, my wife is a gift. When I moved in with her 18 years ago, they were coming around with the Verizon Fios, <laughs> which is the one gig up, one gig down. And she's like, Michael will love that. And that was sort of my welcoming gift. <laughs> I've loved it. And you I, loved it. And you oh, loved yeah. it. <laughs> it's like surely hit the nail on the head with that one. <laughs> so I think that was two. Last one? The last one. Okay. I think another thing that COVID has made me more aware of and accelerated the legal profession into much many more tech options and the remote access and all of these things. But I also think for the future, it's we need to realize how are we going in with AI? Mm -hmm. How are we going to differentiate ourselves from an AI attorney? Oh, hold on. I got to pause you there for a second. I got to pause you there for a second. I'm going to, so today, a, one of my, so I do, I typically try to do editorials on Mondays and I came across this article about how this attorney in a important federal case was using AI Oh, I saw that, the, the headline right. on that. I didn't yeah. read the article. I oh, I read it. I mean, no offense to the guy, but he was pretty stupid because he had it draft out, or had, no, I shouldn't say draft. He had to write out his brief citations and all. Fantastic. But he didn't shepherdize his. And it's not up to date. Well, no, they were fake. Back. They were fake citations. Oh, no. So chat GTP, amongst others, have been no. known for coming out with fake information including fake citations oh, so boy. so if i started using chat gtp to draft out whatever like if i had a new clerk i would be double checking the citations and you still need to shepherdize the citations to make sure everything is up to date he didn't do that that is a huge failing in of itself aside from the fact that he was relying on a brand new tool without 
researching it a little bit more carefully. And he was begging the judge for understanding. And I think his biggest problem is going to be not the judge, but the bar. Yes, the bar is going to have to do something to but, address but this. But I mean, I mean, in his situation specifically, because he well, didn't do his due diligence, not just in, in researching the software he was using, he didn't shepherdize the case. And mm-hmm. that was huge. And yes, I mean, that's that is where, huge. you know, we have the rules for it. They just maybe need to be a little bit tweaked. But in that mm-hmm. case alone, he should have shepherdized his cases, if that makes any sense. For sure. And I wonder, do you, what state was that in? New York. In New York. So I wonder and, if the state bar will give him some sort of a disciplinary something, maybe not disbar him, but, you know, just some sort of slap on the wrist. I, I don't know, because the question becomes, is it prejudicial to justice? And I think in this case, it may be because... Well, his client certainly wasn't getting what he thought he was getting. Well, not only that, but I think there was an issue as to whether or not he needed to file for timeliness. Oh. And without it, there's I think it got kicked out because of lack of jurisdiction. And the cases he was relying on to say, oh, we have jurisdiction here, to be blunt, were made up. Well, to leave on a brighter note, first of all, I want to thank you for being with us, Tracy. And tell us, where can people find you? Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. This has been a very fun and interesting experience for me, for sure. But my the, my new project that connected us, actually, is not my law firm. It's a website called Accessio Docs. And the heart of it is a directory of individuals who do document automations for attorneys for their profession. And I think that is such a useful thing to know about for attorneys to know that profession even exists because I really didn't a few years ago. And to learn that there are people out there who know their software inside now and they can create mm-hmm. automations that you've never even imagined. So I pu- I'm putting together a pr- directory of professional automators is the heart of it. And then we're going to have some workflows and apps available too. Excellent. And we talked off mic about how Deborah Zavada yes. is a prior mm-hmm. guest who is one of the listed yes. providers yeah, who was also a guest on our podcast, I think yeah. about a year and a half ago. Yeah. Double check that. I'll put that yeah. in the show notes she's, too. She's got a depth of knowledge. So yes. people like that, yes. we need to know how to connect. To yes, them. absolutely. And I think that's a great idea. And to also talk about the other project you're working on? We mentioned it in the podcast. Yes. So the other project I'm working on, and I'm very excited about it as an estate planning attorney, someone who does estate administration is called Executor Connect. And what this does, it allows a law firm to take their entire client list. Mm -hmm. And then what we do is we search the, all the obituaries that are published in the U.S. within the past few days of the search. And then we can pull out any matches. So if there's a match to the client list for an individual who's passed away, then we're creating a report that says, oh, these clients on your list, there have been obituaries that match this description. Well, you and I had talked off mic too. Perhaps we'll see you at the next ABA Tech Show Startup Alley. Yes, that would be great. Yes, yeah. There's so many exciting things out there. And of course, if someone's looking for will estates, attorney and guardianship, attorney in Indiana. We'll have ways to contact you in our show notes there as well. And Tracy, like I said, I really want to thank you for being here. I've really enjoyed this and please have a great day. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks.
Thank you for joining me on this episode of the TechSavvyLawyer.Page podcast. Our next episode will be posted in about two weeks. If you have any ideas about a future episode, please contact me at michaeldj at the TechSavvyLawyer.Page. Have a great day and happy lawyering.